Good afternoon, my friends. This is Bill Woods up in Sun Valley, Arizona. We've had a lot of thunderstorms and lightning and rain this week, just like most of Arizona has had. Uh, last week, well, today I want to talk about the topic, Look and Live. Last week, I announced that I'd preach about Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8 this week. And we will eventually get there, but first I want to look at some preliminary information to help us understand the truth presented by the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans. I'm going to read to you Romans 5, 1 and 2, which says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Well, what does it mean to be justified? Theologically, uh, the definition would be declared or made righteous in the sight of God. How can we claim to be justified or righteous in the sight of God in light of what Romans 3, 10 through 12 says? It says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. We're also told in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If this is the case, then how can we read in Romans chapter 5 that we are justified by faith? Well, it's a God thing. It's impossible for you or for me to ever do enough to merit righteousness. But it isn't you or me that brings it about. It is. It was earned for us when Jesus, God's perfect and sinless Son, shed his blood on the cross in our behalf. I remind you of Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I cannot do enough to earn my salvation. You know, I got to thinking, imagine that uh, with me, I got a traffic ticket out on the freeway that goes past my place, which is I-40. And imagine that I was driving 110 miles an hour uh, when the speed limit is only 75 miles per hour. There's no doubt that I'm guilty and in big trouble. And I'm pulled over by a police officer. I'm told by the arresting officer that I have to appear in court in 30 days. Well, I spend those days worrying about that court date. Will I go to jail? Will I have to pay a huge fine? Will I lose my driving privileges? Will my car insurance be canceled? Will I lose my car? What's going to happen? Finally, the dreaded day arrives. And I reluctantly go to court to meet my future. I sit there in court waiting for my turn to stand before the judge. One after another, people are called to face the judge and learn the consequences of their actions. I sat there for hours, almost all of the afternoon and never hear my name called. Finally, after what seems like an agonizing eternity, I approach the bailiff and I ask when I will be called to face the judge. He looks at his docket and says, 
you don't have to appear before the judge. Your fine has already been paid by someone else and you're justified before the law. The law is satisfied and you're free to go. Well, this is a rough picture of what happens when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. He's paid our fine for sin and we are justified. It's just uh, somebody said, just as if I hadn't sinned. Now I have a choice to make. I am a free moral agent, meaning I have the power to choose if I want to accept what Jesus has done for me by dying in my place, or if I want to pay my own penalty. After all, accepting what Jesus has done for me can be restrictive. I'll have to change a lot of the things I've been doing. I'll have to give up the sinful living that I, I think that I enjoy. I'll have to start living a, a life of purity, a life that will please God. In Numbers chapter 21, there's a story of the Israelites getting discouraged in the wilderness and complaining to God and to Moses about the lack of water and the lack of food and how tired they are of eating that manna. They accused God and Moses of bringing them out of Egypt just to let them die in the wilderness. Well, this angered God, and he sent poisonous serpents into the camp. People were being bitten by these vipers and, and dying. They cried to Moses how sorry they were for their sinful attitudes, and they asked Moses to pray to God, see if they could be some kind of relief. God told Moses to make a bronze snake and put it on a pole in the middle of the camp. When someone was bitten, if they looked at that bronze snake, they'd be healed. They had the choice, look at the snake and be healed, or don't look and die. It's kind of look and live. Well, that whole passage represented what Jesus was going to do for us. In John chapter 12, verse 32, he said, And I, if I be lifted from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He was lifted on the cross to die for our sins, to pay the price that you and I, because we have sin in our lives, could not pay, but he could because he was the sinless, holy son of God. No sins of his own to pay for, he could pay for mine. Just like the people of Moses' time, we can accept Christ's sacrifice, or we can pay our own debt for sin, which would be an eternity in hell. How do I receive the remedy Jesus provides for my pardon through his atoning death on the cross? Well, first, I must recognize I'm a sinner and an enemy in rebellion against God. The Holy Spirit is working on me, revealing my sinful condition. We call it convicting me of my sins. It's because of God's love that I'm invited to be cured of the penalty of sin. Romans chapter 5, 5 through 11 says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, 
we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So now that I re recognize that I'm a sinner and I must repent of my sins, uh, what does that mean, repent? Well, repentance is being sorry for my sins and confessing them to Jesus Christ. This is a sincere and thorough change of my mind in regard to sin. Because I feel a personal guilt, I voluntarily turn away from sin, changing my lifestyle and personal interests and begin living to a holy life to please God. When I do, three things happen. I, I've been justified, I already told you what that means. I am then regenerated or I become a new creation. It's like taking an old car and rebuilding the motor and adding new upholstery and new paint and making it like new again. That old wreck of a car is regenerated. That car now has new life. Then the third thing is I'm adopted in the family of God. I, I'm no longer on the outside at odds with God. Now I'm part of the family, joint heir with Jesus Christ. I have a place in my father's house where Jesus has prepared for me and for those who love him. Uh, he says, in my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go, I will come again and take you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. You know, you'd be a fool to turn down that deal. Paul sums it up for us in Romans chapter 5, 12 through 21. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. 
so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I found an article by the Christian Businessmen's uh, Corporation International. I feel sums up what I want to express today. It says, imagine being convicted of a crime you deeply regretted, intentional or unintentional, and being offered a pardon to absolve you of any penalty. Would you accept it? Well, let me tell you about a man who did not. In 1829, two men, George Wilson and James Porter, robbed the United States mail carrier. Both were subsequently captured and tried in a court of law in May of 1830. Both men were found guilty of six charges, including robbery of the mail and putting the life of the driver in jeopardy. Both Wilson and Porter received their sentences, execution by hanging, to be carried out on July 2nd. Porter was executed on schedule, but Wilson was not. Influential friends pleaded for mercy to the President of the United States. Andrew Jackson, on his behalf, uh, issued a formal pardon, dropping all charges. Wilson would have to serve only a prison term of 20 years for his other crimes. Incredibly, George Wilson refused the pardon. An official report stated Wilson chose to waive and decline any advantage or protection which might be supposed to arise from the pardon. Wilson also stated he had nothing to say and did not wish in any manner to avail himself in order to avoid sentence. The United States Supreme Court determined the court cannot give the prisoner the benefit of the pardon unless he claims the benefit of it. It is a grant to him. It is his property, and he may accept it or not as he pleases. Chief Justice John Marshall wrote, A pardon is an act of grace proceeding from the power entrusted with the execution of the law, but delivery is not completed without acceptance. It may then be rejected by the person whom it is tendered, and we have no power in a court to force it on him. George Wilson committed a crime, was tried and found guilty, he was sentenced for execution, but a presidential decree granted him a full pardon, and when he chose to refuse that pardon, he chose to die. Reading this amazing story, we might wonder how could anybody refuse a pardon for the death sentence? The man was a fool. But what if you are refusing a pardon that is able, enabling you to spend eternity in the presence of God rather than eternity separated from him in a place the Bible calls hell. God is offering you a pardon today that will absolve you from the penalty of sin, which is eternal death. He is offering you forgiveness and eternal life in heaven as part of his family. Does it make any sense to refuse his pardon? Jesus was lifted up on a cross for you. Look and live that you might have salvation. Accept him as your personal Savior. Let's pray. Father, today I would pray that you help those that are listening to this to realize the importance of looking to you for salvation. Somehow, Lord, we get the idea that we want to put it off. We want to eventually go to heaven, but there's so much fun to be had. But Lord, teach us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, and that sin always has consequences. 
we don't ever get away with sin without some kind of a consequence in our life. Help us, Father, to allow you to be our Lord and Savior. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening. I hope to hear from you. Uh, my address is Box 4031 Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. And my uh, email address is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. Thank you again and God bless you.